Welcome into a quick timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. I'm Tony Miller, and today we are privileged to have with us Coach Matt Driscoll, head men's basketball coach of the University of North Florida. You may have seen this floating around on social media. Friend of the show, Jordan Sperber, posts this. It is a clip of basically, I don't remember how long it is, two or three minutes of introductory press conferences of coaches just saying some form of, we're going to play fast. Everybody says it, you know, that's what fans want to want to hear. But then when it actually becomes a reality, those are those are two separate things. So you actually do play fast. I don't know if you would describe it that way, but you well, know, I, I, this is our slowest year, but you're right. Tell me what that looks like and tie that into you, the head coach, because people can watch and say what it is. But like even describing your offense, what words would you use to describe your offense and how would you say that playing fast looks like for the Ospreys? First of all, this is a very, very deep beginning if you realize what you just said. Mm-hmm. Because that's half the problem. When kids are getting recruited, they're hearing these things. And it's like the old story when the person dies and goes to heaven and you're not sure where he, that he wants to go. So he gets a little taste of hell and he gets a little taste of heaven. And then he decides to go to hell. And then when he gets there, it's not what he thought it was going to be. Mm. And the devil looks at him and says, yesterday was recruiting, today's reality. So saying you're going to play fast and all that kind of, like I looked at our possessions, possessions yesterday because I was talking to Coach Mills, um, who was with us on staff, uh, Baylor when I was there, and then now at Oral Roberts. And Liberty wanted to play him. And he was like, I told Coach McKay, like, I'm not, I'm not looking to play in 50 possessions again. <laughs> um, and, and my point is, Coach McKay – has had great success and plays really well. And, and people say slow and all this stuff. But when you watch them play against us, they actually play a whole lot faster and, and the games are actually scored a little bit higher because we want to have that. And, and everybody thinks when you play fast, it means that you press and and you're haphazard. And, and that's completely opposite. The thing that we hone in on the most is the word pace. And so how do you get pace? So a couple things. Number one, Whoever defensive rebounds for us pushes the ball. So we're not worried about looking for a, a point guard coming back or any of that kind of stuff. Now, we always want to advance it with the pass as fast as we can. And the sooner you get into guys that can handle the ball better, then obviously the best opportunity you have to lower the defense, to put them in, in rotations. And once you get them in rotations, because we're usually playing with three, most of the time, four guards and Normally, those guys are all 35 to 45% three-point shooters. So that creates the next word, which is space. But going back to pace, so you play a pressing team, and a lot of guys will let the ball bounce, and then their guard will take it out, and they'll have a press offense or whatever. We don't we don't have that. We don't ever practice against pre- – I shouldn't say never. Three times a year, we might, press, we might press each other because we don't press, and I can't teach press, and I don't – so I'm not going to fake the funk. Now, I'm not a seven-guy-on-the-floor guy. I'm not going to do that either. So – when someone scores, our closest forward is going to take it out. So we don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. And we don't have numbers except on under OBs, inside OBs. It's the only time we ever have a number. So numbers to us are irrelevant. We only have two kind of people. We have guards and forwards. So you're going to be one or the other. And you might be a guard that has to pull, guard a forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, Carter Henderson six 6'8", Garrett Sam's six 6'7", Bo Beach was 6'9", but he had 31 on Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons couldn't guard him. So pace starts with a miss, who's going to push it, and then there's some training involved there. And part of the training is if it's a forward, they got to know that John Wooden, back to John Wooden, 
be quick, but don't hurry. Because when you're a forward, every guard's going to try to get at you and get at you and get at you. And when those guys do that, they're trying to cause you to turn it over, to um, to travel, to be uncertain and throw the ball in the stands. So we tell them when you get attacked, just dribble the ball between your legs real fast. Just slow down, go between your legs, keep your dribble, and then figure it out. And if they keep coming, then you can advance it. If they're faking, stunting and staying or whatever, now you can keep going and now you play. So pace starts with the rebound Mm -hmm. and the way in which you're going to advance it up the floor. On a make, I get the job with Coach Drew. As I go for my interview, Homer Drew meets me. And we talk for probably, I don't recall exactly, but let's say an hour about the Carolina break because I was in the ACC at Clemson. So we talked through this, and he says, Coach Scott is going to want you to part of your deal that gets his job. He wants you to investigate and watch and study Kansas, Roy Williams. And that was the year when Kirk Heinrich was the lead guard. Mm -hmm. So he gave me eight VHA tapes, and I watched it. And what I learned was – Everything opposite of what we learned, you and I learned growing up. So what did your middle school coach tell you to take the ball out of bounds? Uh, you usually have your big man take the ball out of bounds. Where? Uh, what, what was the first thing you were always taught to do? Get out from underneath the basket. Clear the lane. Like Get out yeah. the lane because you're going to hit the basket. Mm-hmm. Right? So we don't ever do that. Never. And we've never hit the basket. And we had a kid <laughs> one time who actually could throw a chess pass. He did it once in the game like Kevin Love. He threw a chess pass three-quarter court. Then went all the way down the court, and the guy got it and, and, and got a layup. So when you look at pace and how you play, how you would get in a made shot is every bit as important as anything else. So now we go right under the basket, and we turn, and we get it. And our lead guard cuts the paint, just like Kirk Heinrich. Mm -hmm. So I did this study for Coach. Got all these notes, wrote up all this paper. I don't know how many pages it was. Gave it to Coach. I've known Coach for 18 years now. He's never once ever used anything I did. (laughs) However, my Juco coach, we went recruiting one time. Kid didn't show up. I said, let's leave. He said, Drister's never a wasted time. Let's play. And a kid we played with ended up transferring to our JUCO and led us to the state championship. So that wasn't a waste of time because as soon as I got to UNF, we did that. Hmm. Like we instilled that in us. So that's the first thing about pace. The other thing about pace is you better be able to teach your guys what spacing looks like and it's okay to stand because high school kids – They want to run out of the corner and run to the ball and run up here. and Or they want to get to halfway between the corner and the free throw line, which means they're going to keep migrating up anyways. Mm -hmm. So we put a cone on the floor and like getting to the corners is critical. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you can get it advanced, the sooner you can get it lowered, the sooner the defense has to lower. And now, boom. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing about pace that we understand is – the more you can create defensive uncertainty, okay, I got him and you got him and I got 35 and you got 22. Well, 
35 might be running the wing. Yeah, but he was always running the, the slot. Yeah, but number five's running the rim, and he was running the wing. And now you got these movable pieces that these six, 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 seven, six, eight guys, so they get out there on the floor together, and they're like, hey, hey, coach, you be the uh, wing guy. I'll be the forward. You be the guard. I'll be the forward. I'll be the guard. You be the forward. And now you're whacked out. <laughs> and now we're getting trail threes. We're getting pitch ahead rim runner layups because the guy is supposedly a forward, but he's guarded by a guard and that guy's all whacked out. So that's another thing we're trying to score. I get this all the time. So you're trying to do the um, D, D and Tony seven seconds thing. No, like I never even read the book. You know, I grew up with LaRoche with this phrase, run the system. I was like, all right, I'm a new division three coach. I'm going to run the system, put it on a shirt, buy the championship production tape. I'm going to run the system. And I liked it. You know what the problem was? We didn't have the dudes that could run the system. It looked great on paper. So we really recruit to the way we play, mm -hmm. which is that six, 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 seven, six, eight, as many guys as we could have, and dudes that can shoot, 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 dribble, pass. We got the 6'9 to 6'10 kid. 6'10 kid was 6'4 in ninth grade. 6'9 kid can handle it like anybody's business. So they can handle it. They can pass. They can shoot. They can do all these different things. And so we're just playing. So pace off the rim, whether it be a make or a miss, advancement of the ball into spacing, whatever that looks like, for round one because we always want a rim runner. But here's the good thing, Coach. If your rim runner is one of your best shooters, and he's a 6'8 guy, and guys are used to them doing this, roll, replace, roll, replace, roll, replace, and all of a sudden, the guy up there, they start switching us because they like to switch us, and the guy's up there waiting for the replace, and this dude mashes out to the corner, and now he he like this. <laughs> like, where's the replace guy? And now you're like, bing, bing, boom. So you got to take the pace off the rim or the inbounds. You got to take the advancement of the pace to the space. And then we embrace. So pace, space, and embrace. We embrace conceptual basketball. Three guys on a side. One guy on a side. Hand off to a trail behind. We call it a rub. You know, I got it off Lenny. You know, mm -hmm. give a rub. And we just drill those simple things. Mm -hmm. DHO, pitch and chase. Simple exchanges on the weak side. And then sometimes they might flare. And then mm -hmm. sometimes they might exchange to an exchange. Mm -hmm. Like I can show you clips. I just did it yesterday in the clinic. Like there's clips of dudes like hugging up on dudes that are like doing like this. And they're in like a four foot space. And our guards are going downhill and getting to the rim. And people are like, two years ago, we had our, you know, when you get older with this stuff, you get better. Mm -hmm. We're 1.17 points per possession in the league. Just so you know. Gonzaga was 1.19. You can just get shots by knowing it's this concept or this concept. And it's simple. When it's a ball screen and just do your job, do what you're supposed to do. And what's crazy is things start to evolve. And I was telling the staff this. So now you tie in a middle roll and replace with a rub on accident because the two guys in the middle were forwards. And the guy running the right wing was 6'8". And instead of him running to the corner like the defender thought he was going to do, 
He decided to go off the rub. I didn't tell him to do that. He just did it. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's got two guys guarding him. We got a 43% shooter that's naked. So now you got to get into one minute passing. And that's the other part. When you have pace and you space, and then you embrace those concepts and you allow them to evolve, <laughs> the fundamentals. So three dribbles inside out, between the legs, or behind the back. Like master them mm-hmm. to get to the rim or to get downhill or to get two guys to play you. And then the other one is a kill dribble to get to a glide dribble in that post-up area. And now what are you going to do? You can dribble out and do what Doug likes to do, throw grenades. Mm -hmm. You can dribble out and spray it for threes. You can get to the middle of the floor and score as a 6'1 guard. Mm -hmm. Got 63% at the rim this year. Dallas Moore shot 68 as a senior. Yvonne shot 64 or you can be a 6'9 guy who can space it like Bo, Carter, and now go ahead, double him, and then boom, one more. So the fundamental one-minute passing, we call it, last three or four years, I can't remember, four years I think now, we've done more pivoting. Like I said yesterday, like, don't panic, pivot. It's okay. And then you're going to find somebody. And then that kill dribble is huge because now – Everybody used to call it a Nash. You know, Nash would dribble through the lane and keep on dribbling. Well, get into that block area and just start, you know, dribbling and seeing what you got. And when you got the space that we have, and then the number of three. Here's the other thing too, Coach. I could show you clips of them guarding a guy who took five threes in the league and made one. But he's on the wing for us. Mm -hmm. So the whole scouting report is they shoot threes, they shoot threes. Well, This guy's one for five in 13 games or whatever it was because of the way the pace, the space, and the way we embrace the concepts. You know, like I said before, sometimes, you know, you get whacked out. So that's what I love about the way we play. I wish kids understood that a little bit more Mm -hmm. because we've lost some kids. We only have one scholarship, and we haven't gotten some kids. And I think the reason is because we don't promise starting. And we don't promise minutes. When I send them how we play and I send them like, and they're like, man, coach, I'd be perfect in that. Man, I would fit in perfect, man. Well, no kidding. That's why we're recruiting you, bro. <laughs> like, We're not trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Like we're always looking for the round peg, but the part of competing and earning. And I tell them the story, like Garrett Sams was a freshman and he put a 42 consecutive game from a championship team, junior, on the bench because he was better. It's not my fault he was better. He was better. I recruit, we recruited him. He was better. Mm-hmm. And he earned the right to get those minutes, you know. And we end up winning another championship last year with Garrett. So to me, when you say explain your offense, that's the three levels I would say. Forget the talent part. Those are the three levels I would say it starts. You know, people say we play fast. But, well, like, what does that mean? And right. for us, it means whoever gets it goes. And if it goes in closest forward and you got to cut the lane like every day. And the lead guards, that's what we call them. That's the only time we have a lead guard is when the ball goes in. Because somebody mm-hmm. has to be them. We can't have three mm-hmm. guards waiting. They all have video with me. And I played the position and obviously – 
coached it well based on our success. So they have video with me, and that's a huge deal. Like cutting the lane is huge, huge. Mm -hmm. Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's huddle.com assist to learn more. Just really quickly, I would assume that you would say this style allows you to play your best players no matter their size. That's correct. Like I feel can... like a lot of coaches feel like they're locked into something or think that they're locked into something because they need one, two, three, four, and five. Because I, I will hear a lot of coaches say, well, I can't, I can't go recruit that. And I feel like that goes in tandem with, so the guys that I have to have, I have to play a one, I have to play a two, I have to play a three, I have to play a four, I have to play a five. So we don't, you know, Coach Drew taught me that. And then my, and then our system evolved even more into mm-hmm. it. Like our first championship year, we started 6'1", 6'6", 6'9", 6'7", 6'10". You know, Jalen Nesbitt, the guy we talked about earlier, was the 6'6", um, um, dude. So you're, you're 100% right. And this year was the first year we actually ever played two what I would call little guys. Six one six two. First mm-hmm. time in my in my career in the last eight years that we ever played. We we usually have been a whole lot bigger because again we got more of them. There are better players. Let's get them on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we have five guards. Like when we came back and beat Liberty a couple years ago, Carter was playing the five at six eight, and he was six one in ninth grade. Garrett was playing the four at six seven, and they're both forty plus percent three point shooters. So we had five three-point shooters on the floor. And again, we didn't change our concepts. Roll and replace and all that. I mean, like, and, and, and like that dude doesn't become a pick and pop guy. You still roll and replace. Because all we want to cause is indecision. We want to cause, because usually they're going to switch anyways, you know, when, when they're that kind of a shooter. So you're 100% right. We can put, now conversely, we had Wajid Aminu and Noah Horkler who played at Province this year. He averaged almost a double-double for us. Those guys played together a lot, and they were two of our best players. So in that year, Carter's freshman year, we didn't have four guys who could shoot the three on the floor as much. Now, we were as effective because we scored around the rim as well, too. But those were our best players. I'm going to cheat because I know you and I know people who you know. I'll cut past this next part instead of me asking you. Your hunting finishes around the rim and three-point shots. And based off of that, how does that impact how you practice? Here's our overall 23 games. And you can see it says red zone. What's it say? Can you read a number? 
Uh, there's yeah. a total of 584 shots, and you made 312. Okay, yeah, don't worry about the makes. And how about three attempts? 623. So would you say those are pretty close to similar? Yes. I'll give you a little bit better one. Here's the league. Now, we had to play a bunch of money games, obviously. We have to raise a lot of money. Here's the league games. These are 13 league games. Red zone, so it's inside 324. And three-point shots is a 11 difference. You have 313. And how about long twos? 45, which I'm a little surprised that you even have 45 long twos. So what's 45 divided by 13? Four? Three, three, three and a half, four, three and a half, four. four, four, four. Yeah. And I'm, and actually, last year the number was better because mm-hmm. it was like we played 20. We were 19 and six against mid majors. We took 70 long twos, so three a game. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's a little bit more is because Jose uh, plays here, who's the all-league player for us. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, did you notice what the percentage was from long two? Higher than people would normally shoot them. It's close to 50%. And just to give you an idea, there's long twos against us defensively. What does that say? 38%. So he was great at it. We do yeah. practice shooting 15 to 17-footers. And here's why. Number one, a three-point shot is a three-point shot. A 10-footer, a 12-footer, a 13-footer, a 14-footer, a 15-footer, a 16-footer, a 17-footer, an 18-footer, a 19-footer, and left side, middle, left middle, slot, slot middle, left, right, baseline side, no backboard. Back. The three-point line is a three-point line. It's all the same, except it's a little bit, you know, 22 and some change in the, in the corner. Mm-hmm. When you look at, we practice 15 to 17 foot shots in some of our shooting drills. That's it. And they're never a bounce to them or very rarely. This kid could get to that spot and rise up to a sweet spot and knock them in. Mm -hmm. I could care less Mm -hmm. as long as you make them at 50%. Mm -hmm. So we don't practice it, but we do practice that shot. So when we do a shooting drill on two ends, we do these 15 to 17s to kind of get warmed up. And it's about 25 makes. And then they go to three. And then when we switch ends, they only do threes. They don't mm-hmm. do the, the inside part. So we do shoot that shot. But like you said, it was only four times a game. And it is a little bit high for us than normal. But yes, you can see. And we're very equal at the rim and threes. Probably more than you thought. We make 10 threes a game. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like we're a slouch. We led mm-hmm. the league two years ago. I mean, the country. And we led the league twice in the last six years. We're always number one in our league. But we know because of our, our space, so finishing around the rim is huge for us. And, and the way we say it is, our job is to give you solutions because we know you're going to have problems. Well, let us teach you a bunch of solutions so that when they occur, same foot, same hand, uh, you know, Mike in reverse, reach back, what you know, whatever. Uh, maybe an up and under or a rondo or whatever you got to get to. But like um, a driving down the right baseline, use your left hand so you get a better angle to bank it as opposed to trying to reach back with your right and all that kind of garbage. Like stuff like that. Like we're real big on that because like we want to make sure you got a solution because we know it's going to occur. A coach that doesn't run a conceptual offense, tell me if I'm wrong here, but we've run it the last couple of years and it's it's kind of a conclusion that I think I've come to. Coaches who don't run it, and they look at those numbers, they think that you just take more threes 
or that you just shoot more shots inside. I personally feel like when you play with that kind of space, that those types of shots are generated more frequently. It's not just shot selection because coaches that maybe have not looked into this or haven't watched you play or don't understand conceptual offense, they just think I'm teaching my players shot selection. We're just going to shoot more threes and we're just going to shoot more layups. Would you say that those types of shots are the outcome of the type of system? hundred percent. It's, it's not even close. And, and I'll give you a good example. Our non-shooting forwards, like the guys that are just, you know, just okay shooters. I used to have the number from last year. They shot like 65 threes on the year. And I get mad at them. It was like, let's say it was like we play like 30 games, let's say. They took like two a game. I'd get mad at them if they turned them down. Like Jonathan Abar this year, a freshman for us. I'm like, what are you doing shot faking in the guys at the free throw line? He's an average three-point shooter at best. He was 20, 21% in the non-conference, and he shot like 40 in the conference because he learned to plan his left foot. He learned that when you minimize movement, you'll become a better shooter instead of just being a taker. We want makers, not takers. Mm -hmm. But I would say to him, like, you're hurting our offense. You're hurting our spacing. You're hurting – like, you got to take that shot because if you don't, the next play is going to be covered up because they were able to, to adjust because of, of the way in which you did that. You know, so what we get is 100% based off of the way in which we ball screen, ball screen, ball screen, having the space and the concepts, two guys on the weak side or one guy on the strong side, one guy on the weak side, you got a loaded side, let's say, and you only got one, one on the weak side. And then the way the, there's another thing too, that people don't probably coach as much as they should, the way the ball's driven. So when the ball's driven, let's say down the weak side, well, the guy in the corner, he's got, he's got some reads to do. Mm -hmm. And when the ball now goes from weak to strong, then he probably has to lift at some point. If, you know, in our league, there's a 10 foot, there's a break. There's a, there's a 10 foot. I think you guys are going to it next year too. Mm -hmm. There's a 10 foot break before it becomes mm -hmm. an arc. When the ball starts going East and West, he's got to get, you know, we call it just getting his vision. So he's got a scrape. We call it a scrape, not a lift, but anyways. So those are the things like yesterday when I did that clinic and you watch those clips over and over Coach, I'm going to tell you something else, too. And I told this to the staff yesterday. I had no idea the impact of doing defensive drills. You're in season, let's say, and you're just kind of doing some, you know, what do you call that? Not maintenance, whatever. So let's say you're doing four-on-three scramble, and you're just working on rotations. Because the way we defend the arc, which two years ago, we made 11.4 threes a game, and we gave up three-point-something in the league. Like, we were plus 21 before we got in the game. So, like, when we're doing four-on-three scramble, I blow the whistle, and those three guys sprint out. Coach gives them a ball. They're playing fast and furious. The music's playing on the sound system. And and I give them certain things they got to do. They got to play off of a baseline drive, or they got to play off of a, a rub. fill by, And then they get a three. And what happened was 
I'm doing all these talks. So I just gave myself up for the pandemic. I'm talking about JV girls basketball and international prep school coaches that are playing on that high level. You know, I mean, I got all these different dudes and I'm doing all these Zooms. And what's crazy is I'm showing all these clips over and over and they're asking me all these questions. And then I started thinking, holy cow, all these defense, like I learned during the pandemic that all this, no wonder we play so well with pace. So now we do this thing. Now we, we, we track when we get six or more of these, we win. It's twofold. When we get six or more knockouts, we win like 92% of the time, three stops in a row. We get six. We win like 92% of the time. When we get, listen to this stat, check this one out. You're an analytic guy. When we get six or more score, stop score. We call that a dagger. So I bought these plastic daggers like you would take to a, a birthday party where you stick somebody and they go back in. And we have this big dagger in our off in our locker room. And then we hang it when we get it. And we found out when we get six of those, we win. Hmm. So there's a correlation between both. Because, you know, you get those stops. And uh, Coach Kennan is the one that kind of brought the number to us. So then hmm. I investigated it. And then I found out that six was the number because Coach Kennan – read about it or learned about it or something. And he brought it to the table. Goes back to what we talked about earlier in the other podcast. And we found out that like, if you get a three, like for us, you get a three and a two, you know, you're five points, you're two and a half points per possession, mm-hmm. two possessions. And then you get a stop. And for us, if you make two threes, now you're three points per possession. Like, like that's a huge separation, mm-hmm. you know, or ability to come back. That's what I tell people all the time. Like, when you're up 12, like, it's far from safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you're two threes away from, you know, being a six-point game again. That's what I like about the way we play. The way mm-hmm. we play, the way we talk, the way we coach, those boxing gloves and those daggers. I'm not – I don't use the word goal. I'm not a goal. Like, that's that's just not a word I use. But sure. that's what they are. And they're right there in front of them. And they know, like, when we get these, we win and we put them up on the wall. And it's mm-hmm. a great thing to have more on the wall than the wall to be bare. So, yeah, like our system breeds threes and plays at the rim, but it also breeds confidence. What did you mean who shot 7% one year? Last year, he was, he was 12 for 21 or something like that from three last year. But, like, he only took the ones he can make. So, yeah, we do get a lot of threes. And we mm-hmm. do get them from guys that aren't three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. But those are the guys I want permanent pivot foot. I want locked and loaded. I want minimized the movement because, you know, you're a novice at doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay. And you can evolve into being really good at it. I just didn't want coaches to hear this. And going back to playing fast, playing fast means we just go faster. Like that, I, I'm glad you gave some like very tangible things that you all do. And it's the same thing with, well, I see that shot chart. So we're just going to emphasize shooting more threes and shooting more at the rim. No, it's an outcome of your system. Like there are very 100%. systematic things that you're doing. Because if and, you and, say two more threes, you're going to take bad threes. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's and the thing that I hear. Is there is because, you know, you got guys that, you know. Right. And then you got to give like some like last, like I get this question do you do that red light, green light, yellow light? Thing? Right. I think the guy at Oregon does it on the women's side. I'm like, our guys think it's neon. Like, <laughs> like 
And like like JT Escobar, he like uh, he didn't care. Yeah. Coach, this is what we do every day. It's what you tell me to do. And I'm, you know, and I would tell guys like that, listen, like if you quit shooting, like I ain't playing you. Yeah. It's like you do something else that makes us great. So if you and this is free, this is for people that are listening. And I, I know coach will back this up, but it then makes your practices very easy for you to determine what we need to work on because coaches are sitting there thinking, I don't have guys that can shoot threes. Well, stop doing all that other stupid stuff you're doing that doesn't matter to winning and work on threes. Well, I don't have guys that can finish. Okay, well, then spend all of your time on finishing, decision-making, and three-point shooting, and you'll probably see a drastic increase in your offense. We do a lot of player pass shooting, even our 6'10 guys. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, they'll be like at the volleyball line midcourt, and they'll go hard inside out between the legs, get to the elbow, stop go up through their ear, jump in the air, and throw a snap pass. The guy in the corner is going to yell. He's going to be off an exchange. He's going to go down, yell exchange, and he's going to yell drift. And then they're going to catch and shoot three. And then he's going to go to the corner, shoot a three at 6'10". And then the one guy that just shot, he's going to come up. And then once everybody gets through two cycles, then I'll go, you know, hard inside out between the legs, get to the elbow, another change of direction, go downhill, get into a kill dribble, start your glide move to the middle. Now the guy in the corner, well, like I talked to you about before, now the ball's starting to come to the strong. Now you got to lift out to the corner to get to the break or maybe even up to the scrape. So we do a lot of self-pass, but everybody does it. Even when we do competitive shooting drills with the whole team, those guys self-pass because then you get bad passing. Mm -hmm. Right here, might be, and we do bad passing shooting. Um, but you know, now the pass isn't as it's more game, excuse me, game like. So, and the other thing you said something like if you tell guys to plant their foot, and like these are the like, and 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 it's funny because you'll watch clips of guys and you'll be like, Hey, like if you got your foot planted here, you could have shot that. And he's like, and then they'll be like, Well, that's why I didn't shoot it. Cause I didn't get my foot planted, hmm. you know. Because what happens is guys, let's say replaced at a slot. Now, when the pass comes, because they're a right-hander, they'll naturally want to step to the left to step to the right. When in reality, if you sprint up and plant your left foot and you get some – now, when the pass comes, you're stepping toward the arc, so your hips are staying square. Now you got a better chance of being long or short as opposed to being right or left. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you step left, now the rim's moving. Now the angle's changing. And I know it sounds minuscule, but that's how we, the difference. It. it's yeah. how we coach it. This could go on for hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> Thank you, coach. I appreciate it. Absolutely.